This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey all, welcome back or welcome to Woods and Waters Project podcast for the first time. This is episode number 39, season two, and I am so excited about this episode. We are chatting with... Luke Oswald, who is the host of Publicly Challenged Podcast. I have been uh, a fan of this podcast for a couple years, and Luke is just a stand-up dude and has awesome guests all around hunting, foraging, fishing, different things related to the outdoors and utilizing public land. And it's something that we've chatted about on the podcast with different guests a little bit. We go a little bit more in depth with it, get to know Luke his podcast, where he came from, advice he's gotten along the way. It's just an awesome episode. For most of us, we don't have regular access to private land for things that we love to do in the outdoors. So this is a really great look into what people perceive as a barrier. And there's a lot to learn here. So I'm really excited that you're here. Uh, I've been I've been really looking forward to connecting with him, and I'm so excited to introduce Luke and his podcast to all of you. A quick shout out to our very first partnership with Havoc Hunting Supply. Check out their website at HavocHuntingSupply.com. Havoc is your go-to for houndsmen, hunters, outdoorsmen. You need chaps, boots, headlights, leashes, leads. All of the above, they have what you actually need. And if you get a chance to talk to Ryan or Steven, tell them hi from Steph. Tell them I sent you. So excited that you're here. Let's get into this episode.
thank you so much for taking time to, to talk to all of us today. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Um, like I said, we've been like chatting about foraging and hunting and podcasting back and forth off and on for a couple years. And I think we started our podcast around the same time, actually. Uh, so I remember, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think 2019, I think. Right. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really keep track. I know I've got like 80 something episodes that I just keep rolling. But. Yeah. No, I just remember the timing of it being introduced to you through mutual friends and stuff and hearing your story and being told I need to check out your podcast. Uh, I think at the time I was teaching my first field to fork class. And so I was having a lot of conversations with new hunters about private and public land. And I believe a couple friends, you know, told me to check your podcast out and reach out to you and just chat you up and become social media friends. Um, Cause I was having a lot of conversations, especially then about public land hunting and telling, you know, teaching other people etiquette and sort of that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just remember that the timing of all of it was really cool. That 2019 was like a really exciting year for me uh, and my journey of like podcast and hunting and all of that. And I just, I remember our introduction pretty well. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome into the podcast world. And, uh, <laughs> glad, glad you decided to reach out and be my friend. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for accepting me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. And before I go on to all the questions and everything, uh, would you like to, you know, kind of give us a, a rundown of who you are and introduce yourself? Well, um, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on and talk to you and be on your podcast. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, the power of social media, I know it has a lot of negative connotations, you know, along with it and different aspects of it. But it's pretty cool you get to connect with people that are in the same realm as you as far as, you know, hunting and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty awesome. Um, but my name is Luke Oswald. I host a podcast called Publicly Challenged. It is my quest to become a better hunter, angler, and forager. And uh, I pretty much try and do it all on public land. I don't have any uh, permission to hunt any private or anything like that. So I just um, a few years ago decided to hunt public, learned how hard it was. And uh, a few of my friends started saying I was publicly challenged. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to embrace that and uh, become you know, this publicly challenged guy that wants to design a quest for knowledge, right? We all want to learn and evolve and turn into something better. And I figured what better way to do that than to talk to people that, uh, that are really killing it and doing what they're, whatever it is that they're doing as far as the hunting, fishing, and foraging aspects. So I just kind of went and rolled with it and met some amazing people along the way. And I have learned so much and hopefully I've shared enough of that with people and educated them along the way. And uh, I just think that's uh, pretty empowering to be able to do that and, and give it to people and, and let them learn from it as well. And, um, you know, it's just a great, great experience. And I can't say anything negative about it. It's all been positive and it's such a, like a growing experience for myself. So I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I got to say thank you to my wife for letting me be able to pursue these things and these passions and be able to do this. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I really appreciate the you know beginning of what you said about like curiosity and 
kind of I'm, I'm kind of rephrasing what you said but not knowing at all and just like continuing to learn and grow and becoming a better version of yourself as you know an outdoorsman like that's that's the kind of stuff that gets my like palm sweaty me excited and talking really fast uh <laughs> it gets me pumped up and i think that's really really cool um and it's awesome that you have that support system because you can you can tell uh, from your posts and interacting and just listening to you now that you're, you know, passionate about it and it's something that you care about a lot. And um, I think it's interesting. I've had a few different podcasters on the pod, on you know, on Woods and Waters Project, and you know, it's it's uh, when you think about like why someone's doing a podcast, you know, it's it, it, and this is for me. This is my experience. What kind of like comes out of it? It's, it's for the people, right? It's for the listeners. But the reason it's so good and people are so passionate about what they're talking about is they're kind of like becoming their own role model or like they're, they're stepping into like who they want to be when they grow up, right? And they're kind of learning along with their listeners. And it's actually kind of a tool for you as much as anybody to like become the better version of yourself, right? Like the better woodsman. Uh, being a better public hunter and forager and I just think it's like you're providing knowledge and a tool for other people but really ultimately like it's got to be making you better every single day like learning from these people uh, getting to know them and I don't know it just I know that's been doing it for me and I can't imagine with some of the guests I've seen that you've had the experiences you've had like imagine where you've come in two years you know with your podcast oh yeah I mean it's amazing. Like if, if, if I just stop and reflect and think about where I was as far as just, I mean, fear, right? Most people have this innate fear that they're walking around in nature and, oh, can I touch that? Will it sting me? Will this happen? Will that happen? Can I eat that? I don't know. To going from that with a very basic knowledge and understanding of plants and, and botany, which I by no means an expert and ever evolving, right? But, um, to be able to go and go, okay, not only am I confident in this, but I can share this with other people because now I know this. And now I can share it with my children and have them confidently identify these different plants and be able to pick them as we're walking through the yard and eat them. That's a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. The whole foraging thing, especially, it's, it's weird. It hasn't been as fast uh, learning and going for me in other areas of like being like a woodsman. But I actually was just thinking about that. Um, this like coming into this summer, I can't tell you because I have, and you've probably seen like me share different things, but I, I love mushroom hunting and all different types of mushroom hunting, uh, all different types of mushrooms. And I get constant when it comes to that time of year, I get personal message and people reaching out be like, Steph, can I eat this? Can I eat this? And I'm like, ah, like, Ugh, I don't, I don't know if you want, I don't want to be like going to for that, you know, but um, it's like a compliment. It was really humbling because like a couple of years ago, like I knew a little bit, but I'm so much more confident in my ability to identify things like that now. And it's exciting. Like I noticed those things from the road, you know, like that wasn't me a couple of years ago. Like I, I wouldn't have noticed those things, and now I can't help it. I see it before anyone else does, and that's just so right. cool to think about. I saw you guys got into some oyster mushrooms like a little a few weeks ago. Yeah, 
like a lot. That's pretty them. awesome. Yeah, There's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I have yet to find any around here. I mean, I I can identify them. I just can't find them. But yeah, um, I, I think I need to look in a little bit different area. Maybe I don't know. Were you near an apple orchard or something? Uh, gosh, we were. We found them a lot of different places this year. And no, <laughs> I don't think we were ever really near any. Like I don't. I don't think so. Um, okay. Not not super far actually. It's funny. A lot of people, at least in my, like, a lot of people that I'm around in short, like, distance, I guess, is uh, I kept finding them. Like, this year, I found a lot of them this year uh, in different places. And then we helped uh, some of our friends were like, hey, help us identify these. You know, what are these? We're like, yes, those. Like, pick them. You need to eat them usually within a few days. And and if you do, they're delicious. They're so good. Um, But we picked so many I kind of just stopped because I, I could have gotten way more, um, but I just told people where they are and had them pick them because you have to eat them pretty fast. And a lot of people are really hesitant about eating mushrooms in general, which I get. <laughs> uh, but we had so many, like so much, of, so much of it went to waste and I have a hard time with that. Like I don't you know want to pick a whole tree load and then have them just rot. Um, so... Yeah, we we had a lot of oyster mushrooms this year, and I think it all started, I found a couple spots last year, and I just, this year, got out early and paid attention to the area and, like, kept going back and kept looking for them because I knew they were going to come back relatively in a close proximity, and yeah, it was really successful with oyster mushrooms, and they are one of, they're, I love morels, don't get me wrong, but oysters (laughs) are, they're up there with morels for me. Yeah. For sure. So that's my thing now is after we've had all this rain and stuff and the weather's kind of been just about right. Um, I'm kind of hoping to get out this weekend and start looking for some chanterelles and uh, find some. So we'll see if that happens. I've got a friend, though, like you were talking about, that does field notes and he takes field notes every year, time of year, the climate, everything. Um and, and writes everything down in his journal of all the different species of plants that he identifies. And every year when things are starting to bloom and pop up and go to different phases of their, the plant's life cycle. And he has all that written down. And it's kind of funny that he was talking about this year. It seems like everything it's very strange and that's pretty early and it's kind of surprising because the weather started out warm early, but I don't know, it's changed and it's rainy now and you know, but it's, it's always neat to watch that stuff, and that's one thing I've been kind of wanting to do, just haven't gotten around to actually doing it yet. I'm the worst when it comes to organization like that. I am too. I'm not great <laughs> at that stuff. Actually, it's I feel like you'll totally relate to this, especially when you're talking about public land and everything around you. And Do you ever feel like, okay, so for me, I am obsessed with the – uh, just becoming capable, right? I say I say that a lot on my on my on my podcast. Um, but just like little things, right? Like every time I go out into the woods, whether I'm hunting or I'm you know I'm going out to the water, fishing, foraging, whatever it is, I I pay attention to uh, like everything even more the next time I go around, like the wind and the weather and the time of day and. Uh, tracks and different things like that and it's like it's it sounds crazy it almost I don't even know it's like overstimulating like I'm overstimulated every single time because I'm obsessed with like paying more attention paying more attention paying more attention to everything and like soak up as much as I can 
and I should do field notes because I, I don't, I don't at all. I just like, <laughs> I'm in the moment, but then like, I try to like play it all back in my head and I, I'm trying to absorb and like take in as much as I can, but I probably only retain, you know, 10% of it, I'm sure. Uh, Cause I'm like a squirrel. Like I just, I'm so excited about all the things that I do and I'm trying to get better at all of the things. And um, yeah, I, I need to be more organized about it so I can reflect on it later, I think. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I get it. So, <laughs> like, to add on to that, though, thank God our cell phones actually have the date on the photo, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah. that's one thing you know the actual date. Oh, my gosh, I found these these oyster mushrooms or I found these morels. And you know the exact date that you found them because your phone actually keeps that. And then also you've got all these awesome apps like Basemap to where you can actually hit and do a smart marker and things like that. So it actually tells you the weather, the date you dropped that pin when you saw that buck or something like that. So, I mean, I don't actually take field notes, but I do have little indicators like that that thankfully help me along the way. And on top of that, I have a very weird memory. I can't remember something somebody told me yesterday or even like a setting or what somebody was wearing or what I wore or what I did. But a year from now, and it was funny, I was out fishing with a guy, and then I was talking to him, and I was like, oh, yeah, how's blah, 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 your wife, and this and that, and talking about something that he told me. And he's like, how do you remember that? And I said, I don't know, I got a weird memory. And then I go, I could tell you what shirt you were wearing last time we were out fishing last year. And he goes, dude, that's strange. And I told him, and he goes, oh, yeah, I know that shirt. It's just, it's kind of a strange way my mind works, but <laughs> it, it ends up better than fitting me in the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get, I get that. Like, the things that, I don't know, we don't even not not even purposely focus on um that stick in our heads is, is kind of a bizarre thing we're humans we are just we're interesting <laughs> that's funny um so what is it about so your, your podcast is publicly challenged like you talked about what um was it for you about public land like were, have you always been a hunter um and an outdoorsman or is that something relatively new and like why the focus on public land could you break that down for me sure absolutely so um no i have not always been a public land hunter yes i've hunted on and off since i was about 16 years old archery and shotgun um mostly deer some squirrel upland game stuff like that but and hunted upland game with my dad as a kid since I was probably about 10, I think, when I took my my uh, hunter safety course. But I never really got into the foraging thing. I always wanted to, right? My favorite book when I was a kid was FM 2176, I believe is the title of it. And it's the Army Field Manual on Survival. My dad gave me that when I was like eight years old. And so it had all the different plants and species and different things you could eat. And it always fascinated me. And it was something that was always in the back of my mind nagging at me that I needed to learn more. And I just never did. But I thought to myself, as I faced all these challenges on the public land, I was like, man, there's all these other things out here, too, that I want to learn. And I'm going to already be talking to all these people. Why not include that? Because I'm sure there's other people that have the same questions that I have. So with that, I incorporated it in and fishing. I was never really serious about it. I just kind of, you know, occasionally with buddies would go out fishing or something like that. Never really got as serious about it or really 
learned about it. And I was never the kid. I would always read like the hunting magazines, but I never picked up a fishing magazine and I certainly didn't pick up a fishing book. So it was like, how can I learn? And I was, I've always been the kind of person that's more of like an auditory slash kinetic learner where if you go out there and you do it physically or somebody shows it to you or explains it to you, I can pick it up versus actually just reading it on a piece of paper. So that kind of drove me in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Are, are, do you, would you consider yourself like an angler now? A fisherman now? Um, I will never consider myself an expert <laughs> and always probably consider myself the eternal student. Not quite, not quite the catching the, taking the pebble out of the master's hand, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, from a hunting perspective, like, do you have, do you kind of have a focus like hunting wise or is it, is it everything? Do you love hunting everything? I do love hunting everything. Unfortunately, um, big game tends to, uh, consume most of my time. I would love to get out and do more waterfowl hunting and all that, but it just seems like in the pursuit of mature game, um, big bucks or an elk or whatever, most of my time is kind of consumed with that. Now, if I ever retire or somehow figure out a way to where I can do this full time, then absolutely it'll be everything. <laughs> is uh, What part of the United States are you in, like right now? I'm I live in the Midwest. I live in Illinois. Cool. Um, yeah. How, are you from Illinois? I am born and raised not too far. I live about 20 miles from where I grew up. Are you, do you, so I'm, so I'm in Iowa, so we're, we're neighbors. Um, yep. Yep. And, uh, and I don't know like the statistics for Illinois, but what is the public land access like for you in the state? Oh, public land is pretty scarce. So it's like 1% of all the land in the state of Illinois, or maybe one and a half is public land. And out of that public land, it's like, I think it's like one and a half or 2% is public. And out of that 2%, we'll call it the 1% is huntable. Yeah. So it's kind of scarce. Um, I don't know exactly the situation in Iowa. I do know that you can, you don't have to build points and draw tags. Um, you can just go buy your archery tags over the counter and I'm pretty sure that works for non-residents too. So it just adds the competition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I, I don't feel like it's as, um, in my face now. And that might be because of like the algorithm or something of, you know, who I follow on social media or, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I don't put it in front of me as much, but I felt like a couple years ago before COVID, um, I feel like the whole um, public uh, landowner, public hunting uh, became kind of like this big thing, right? That people were kind of like hashtagging, putting in your face, talking about a lot. And, mm -hmm. um, and like, I think it's a great thing, uh, but I thought it was interesting. I always thought that was like, almost bizarre to me because growing up hunting my whole life we had access to some private land some friend like friends that were farmers that we could hunt their property but i never remember like not hunting public land you know so it felt like 
an like an obvious thing to me at first when I kept seeing people talk about that and see that because it was a world I grew up in, right? Like we didn't have property. Like we just did a little bit. I mean, it wasn't even a lot. My dad didn't um, really grow up hunting. He taught himself everything. So, you know, I learned from someone who didn't necessarily learn from anybody else. And public land is just like what we had to deal with, you know, and that was always a part of my life. Um, and I just thought it was really, I thought it was really cool that people were having like that conversation and talking about it, but it was almost kind of bizarre to me too, because I realized as I got older, most people around me that I grew up hunting with, they only hunted on private land, like, which is nothing wrong with that, right? Like I don't have any issues with that at all. Um, it's just kind of like, I didn't realize that everyone didn't just hunt like that. <laughs> Like, yeah. I just, I didn't realize that because I, I guess, like, for the most of us, uh, we're not, um, I, I don't know a better word to use, privileged, privileged enough to have <laughs> access to our own private land on a regular basis every hunting season, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily privileged or yeah, whether or not it's, it's, it's yeah. the choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I personally, I don't want to dedicate all that time and money to something to go after a big deer on a piece of property. Mm -hmm. Kudos to people who do, and that's awesome when yeah. they can actually manage and establish, you know, a healthy herd. And, and I mean, we have to face it that, that private land ownership actually contributes to, to more uh, uh, herd development than, than actual public land does because they're managing that habitat specifically for certain game at times. And that, that definitely helps. But me personally, I never really wanted to do that because I don't just want to chase whitetails. And I do want to chase big bucks if I can. So I try and optimize my opportunities on public ground and finding these spots that will give me those opportunities. And granted, I haven't killed any monster bucks yet, but I'm working on that. And I am improving. So stay tuned, hopefully. But with that being said... I also want to chase elk and all these other things. And I don't have the time or resources to, to devote towards one piece of property, you know, in hopes that I get that one deer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, that was the whole thing with just saying, you know what, man, there's all kinds of big bucks on public. You just got to find them. So I, I kind of wanted to just almost diversify myself, right? Expand that portfolio to where I have more options. Um, but I did grow up hunting some private and public. I didn't have a lot of access, but the piece that I had access to was an amazing piece of property. I just didn't realize it at the time, how great it was. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really know that much about, about hunting when I was, you know, in my teens, 16 year old kid with no mentors, really, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I mean, and I think that's huge is mentorship, right? Um, if you can find somebody that will teach you these different things, it, it will benefit you greatly. And I think that's awesome that people, you know, want to seek that out. And and whether it be, you know, somebody hashtagging something and somebody starts following them on social media or whatever it takes to do that, that's pretty cool. Um, but as far as, like, back to the public land thing, I don't want to get too far from that. But, um, no, I just I, I think it uh, I think it's, it's cool if you can do that, but it wasn't ever for me. Um, but... I used to grow up, you know, we always hunted public land as far as when we did upland bird hunting or anything like that, we always hunted public. 
Yeah, absolutely. I relate to that like completely. I, I personally like, you know, um, everyone like hunt their own hunt, do their own thing, uh, whatever they love to do, right? Like there's different reasons for um, hunting. So it's definitely not like a private versus public thing, but I just thought it was so interesting how so much light was brought to it like a couple <laughs> years ago, you know? I, I just think that's, I just think that was interesting and um, like surprising because really, you know, social media is as much as I'm on social media now, I was not a social media person three years ago. Like really all my social media platforms, like I post regularly now, but that wasn't a thing for me, uh, you know, over three years ago. So it just was amazing to me what people talk about in the industry, you know, uh, just being from small town Iowa, it, it, it surprised me. And I think it's, I think it's really cool. And I think, you know, public land for me, it is nice when you're focused in on whether it's small game or big game or whatever, when you're focused on a, on a certain animal, right, that you're going after, if you can have as much preparation ahead of time and scouting and knowing what you're going into and knowing you're going to a good piece of property, whether that's private or public, you know, that's exciting. Like at the end of the day, it's not always about the, the harvest of the animal, but you know, at the same time, you, you kind of want to walk away with that too, right? So I get it. Uh, but also like the for public land, I think it's exciting because you're not really allowed to get complacent with public land. Like there's going to be situ like you're not, it's never going to be the same situation. Oftentimes you're going to run into people, um, different terrain, having to change your spot. Uh, it's not familiar to you. You're not there all the time. Um, different if you're going after a different game like you're talking about going out going after elk that's not in your backyard so there's a lot of preparation and things that you have to be ready for that you're not dealing with on a regular basis so i just think it makes you really like well-rounded it's adventurous it's exciting um and that's why i like it but oh oh yeah <laughs> it's it's the definitely i mean i think your biggest adversary is not the not the game you're pursuing on public but how to avoid or get around competition or other people that are trying to do the same thing you're doing, or even people that stumbling and falling through wanting to do those things, which I've had happen quite a few times, people kind of following up a hunt, or actually I know an example of actually had a buddy who would have never even shot a deer on a piece of property if it wasn't for somebody bumping those deer to him. And he used that to his advantage and actually took two in one sitting. So that worked out for him. But, I mean, it's it's totally using other people to your advantage, either getting away from them or having them push something to you, it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely learned learned that along the way. But with the, what you are saying earlier about the whole, like, the social media and the trending thing, I think, like, back to that, like, things got stagnant, right? It was the same thing over and over, and it was the same thing on TV. You turn it on, it's a hunting show. Somebody sees a buck, names it, shoots it, it's down. Yeah. And it's over and over and over, and sometimes they'd kill like five deer in one episode, and it's like, okay. <laughs> um, and it just it seemed, so everybody thought they could do that, and then they go out and they try that, and it's not happening for them, and they get frustrated, 
and they go, this is unrealistic. This is, you know, it's Hollywood. Or they're showing, they're not showing shots of them actually wounding an animal or, or missing or doing different things that, you know, it was only kill shots and they were perfect every time. It's unrealistic and people got tired of it. So then you get guys like hunting public, right? And they go, heck with it. We're not going to do these leases. We're not going to go to these high fence farms. We're not going to go and spend a bunch of money to hunt on somebody's ranch. We're just going to be some dudes that are, you know, younger guys traveling around in freaking cars, throwing up tents, camping, and chasing these bucks and killing these big bucks all over, right? Mm -hmm. And people started loving it. I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I got to admit that I love it too. I think it was awesome. Now, the they get pretty aggressive and it might screw up somebody else's hunt if you're the guy that actually chooses that piece of property and lives around there. But at the same time, it's your style, right? Choose, choose how you want to hunt. It's public land. You can do that. Um, but they do it and everybody loves it. And all of a sudden, you saw this like pivotal shift towards that, I think, that, that kind of changed, definitely changed the industry. And, and then all of a sudden, you realize that you didn't need, you know, like you or I could start a podcast and talk about these things within this industry that used to be almost closed. And it was this tight-knit group of people. And now all of a sudden there's all these other players in the game that they can't control because you've got YouTube and all these other platforms that people can just launch to. It's kind of cool. It's definitely a disruptor and it made everybody else evolve too, which is pretty cool because now everybody's coming up with fresh stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that perspective. That's so true. And it does feel so different than what I remember growing up with and the same shows and um, the same result every time. And even, even those, even those folks, right? That that I remember watching, like it changed how they do things and show up and what they talk about and got them on podcasts and like you got to hear their backstories and the truth behind those things and I, it's really enlightening and it's 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 awesome I think because um, I remember that's all I knew were those hunting shows growing up and it was always really I'm really competitive with myself and hard on myself when it, it not so much anymore when it comes to hunting but um my dad's definitely a trophy deer hunter and you know i would hold off for really big bucks you know every year like i i would wait and then have multiple seasons of nothing because i wanted something <laughs> huge you know because i knew it was there um but that's all i saw on tv and that's really what i grew up with so and like that wasn't fun like it wasn't i mean it was <laughs> but it wasn't fun to um i don't know just be focused on just getting a big i don't know my mind has shifted so much of course i want a like a big deer like of course i want that but i don't know i just i i focus on other things now um just being smarter and trying new things and challenging myself and you know whatever and it's, it's just way more fun for me and i hunt way more and I have a lot of success in a lot of different areas of hunting now. And I think it's because a little bit as I'm not so hard on myself and not obsessed with like perfection, you know, which, which I was like, cause that's just kind of what I thought it was <laughs> growing up truly. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't ever want to get it to the point where you're pushing yourself so hard that it doesn't become fun because if it's not fun, why is it really worth doing? You know what I mean? What do, what are you getting out of it? If you're ruining that experience with, uh, with just, I mean, competitiveness is fine. All if it's in good nature, but 
if you really drive yourself too hard, it's, it, it becomes difficult and then it's a chore and then you get burned out and then you don't even want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's weird. Cause like I have, so like, I would never, I, I don't know. I, I have never seen someone else's animal and thought ill thoughts for them because it wasn't of a certain size or something. I am pumped for that person. And when I take people hunting or introduce them to it, whether they, I don't know, like if it has a huge rack or it doesn't, or has a long beard or it doesn't, like I'm really genuinely excited for that person. Um, and I am not like passing that judgment. So I don't know why I thought that that would happen for me, if that makes any sense. And um, I know social media can be good and bad for that reason. Like you get a whole bunch of people who hype you up and you get a lot of people who bring you down. But I mean, I, I definitely have a way different mindset about that than I used to. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think about it, and it doesn't matter to me, I don't care whether somebody shoots a crossbow or a rifle or even a trad bow with, you know, a wooden arrow with others that they took from a turkey themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter as long as it makes you happy and you're getting out there and enjoying yourself. And, and finding out new things about yourself that you never knew. Mm. To me, that is way more successful than posting something somewhere and somebody bashing you. Although, if somebody is bashing you, you've got haters, it means you're doing something right. <laughs> because they're jealous of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also jealous of, I think, sometimes how good you are with yourself, if that makes sense. Like, I think it just shows insecurity. Like, even if it's, even if that person is, I don't know. Like, I, I think sometimes it comes from, like, the lack of confidence in themselves or believing in themselves, which then it's like, in turn, just be a good person back. And maybe if they're willing to learn something from you or connect with you, like, invite them with open arms, you know? Because I've definitely had haters turn into... <laughs> acquaintances or friends you know just by being that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah like i don't know just i i'm not uh there's a lot i could go on this tangent about but i i know that i'm not an expert i'm just obsessed with like learning as much as i can and helping others and um meeting you know cool people like yourself and hearing their stories because i just think i love what you said about like finding out more about yourself that is so relatable and true. Um, I there's I have a lot of passions and hobbies, but almost all of them derive from the outdoors in some capacity for the most part. Uh, I got a few random things out there too, but like I'm really not interested anymore in a lot of things because I am so hooked on, you know, my free time is filled with, I do some like self-development and business stuff, but it's mostly like I'm reading like a gun dog training book right now, right? And I was listening to a podcast earlier about um, an employee uh, from Sitka. He's one of the first people to start Sitka. And like, that's what I fill my time with. Like that's, you know, I, I don't know. And it makes me really happy. Like it, it jacks me up. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't have known all that if I hadn't just dug a little deeper into the outdoors and my podcast and all those things. So I hear you and feel that so much about finding out more about yourself. Um, and I think that leads to a really good question I have for you then is like, what has been, 
has there been that for you? Like things you found out about yourself you didn't realize through this journey with the podcast and, and the outdoors? Ooh, man, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say things that I didn't know, but I feel like I've pushed myself further into things that I never would have before. So talking about certain things with people, um, maybe not necessarily um, not not knowing about myself, but knowing like, hey, I'm kind of afraid to pick certain things and eat them because I don't know what they are, right? Mm-hmm. But as you start to develop and you learn and you still have that fear in the back of your head and like your mom just sitting on your shoulder in the back, you know, talking to you like the little angel and the devil, like, do it, go ahead and pick it. And then, no, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. You know, and your mom's going, you're going to poison yourself. What are you doing? But at the same time, it's like, okay, I've talked to this person. I know. I've read this book now. And and I think that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, like Sam Thayer books. I think some. Uh-oh, I'm losing you. One of the greatest, one of the greatest books, right? What was that last part? I lost you on the book part. Oh, you cut out right okay. at the, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. So I think one of the first things that we connected on through social media was we started talking about a Sam Thayer book, right? Yeah, yeah. The Foragers, uh, the Foragers Harvest. And it's just things like that, right? You pick up that book and you start immersing yourself in that and then walking through nature and actually seeing these things, physically touching them, right? To where you go, okay, I've seen it. I've touched it. I've identified it. Oh, I'm still scared of it, right? And you have to get over that that innate fear, that fear of like, man, is this right? Am I really doing this? To a point to where you have to develop yourself and trust yourself enough to go with your instinct, to go with the knowledge base that you've developed and just pick it and eat it. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe the thing that I've kind of developed, right, is, is to not be so afraid of the things that are unknown if I've educated myself enough on them. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I that's um, I'm like like as you're saying that I'm thinking there's so much about foraging that is like more terrifying than hunting. <laughs> like I know people, <laughs> I, know, I know people are like scared sometimes of you know uh, you know being in the woods by themselves or you know predators and different animals and all those things and I, I get it. Uh, but like foraging, man, that's like intimidating. And I, but I. I agree. Like, it's amazing. Um, you know, just it's a little bit out of time. And it's crazy how much you just get a little bit more, you know, educated and brave simultaneously. You don't want to just be brave and be shoving all these different things in your mouth. <laughs> but <laughs> I just think, but it is like, it is, I think foraging is in a lot of ways uh, more intimidating than a lot, a lot of other things related to the outdoors. But it is so it is so neat. I went on, I think roughly the time that I met you, like virtually, I went to this event, which was something different than I'd ever gone to. It was like a foraging walk event that a friend of mine was putting together. Awesome. And yeah, it was really cool. All walks of life uh, went on this and we picked um, uh, garlic mustard and um, mushrooms and oh, we made this salad. We made, we made smoked carp that day, and then we made the salad with garlic mustard. 
um, and then a dressing with it and like picking it and it was, it was so good. Uh, they made a salad with like dandelions and um, I was just like, really enjoyed it and then like learning how to use it in my food and cook it and prep it and you know we we're talking about different types of things like that you know we're in season and such but it was a really cool experience and a lot of people were nervous at first but by the end of it I don't know I like I can identify garlic mustard now like there's like a look and a smell and all this stuff and it's just it's a random skill I didn't know I even wanted but I was really excited to have that in my arsenal of things <laughs> but absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. But that's like, that's what I was, you know, that's what I'm saying. How many people, and I know people, like you said, are laying in a tent at night because they're in the mountains somewhere and they're afraid a mountain lion or a bear is going to get them. Like, I've never had that feeling. It's like, well, whatever. If it gets me, it gets me. It's not, not anything I did. It's not a mistake that I made. You know, I hung my food up away from my tent and I'm laying here just sleeping in a sleeping bag. I'm a bear burrito right now, but I didn't do anything wrong, you know? It's just, it happens. But when you pick something and you're laying in bed at night because your stomach hurts and you're not sure if it's something you ate earlier that day or it's that plant that you just picked and ate before you got home and you're going, ah, crap, did I just poison myself? Mm -hmm. What just happened? And things are rolling through your head and you get cold sweats and you're not sure if it's food poisoning or you poisoned yourself. (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa, that is way scarier because you did it. Yeah, did it one hundred percent to yourself. Yes, but once you establish that and you get that connection in nature, and it's full circle to where your food can fully come from something that deep, like primal connection that we all used to have. All of us, we used to have it, and and within like the entire span of man, and just the tip of your fingernail is the time that we've been doing commercial agriculture and all these different stores and different things like that. It's scary to think about that we've lost that within that short period of time. Oh, my God. Within like a hundred, less than a hundred years. Yes. We've lost that connection. That is what's crazier to me now that like I've immersed myself in this. And it's like, why? Why have we ever done that? Why did we get away from that? And so now it drives me even more to just want to get into it and fully be able to understand like the connection with nature and our food. Oh. That is so, I like got goosebumps you saying that because just less than, I don't know, 24 hours ago, I was stranded in an airport coming back from a bachelorette party and got stranded in Texas for a day. And uh, I was talking to this girl that I, you know, I just got to know through this uh, bachelorette party and stuff. She's a little younger than me and um, she brought up uh, like my tattoos or something like that and um, you know, I have, I have hunting tattoos and she's like, I think it's interesting that you kill animals, but then get like tattoos of them. She like thought that was weird. Like she just totally (laughs) said that to me. And I I laughed and I started going on this kind of conversation about like, well, I go, you know, it's, it's a part, I mean, it is like a part of my life. It's always been a part of my life. And I, I have major respect and admiration for wildlife and the animals that I, you know, go after, like I'm, you know, I'm totally in love with them right like I not even just the ones I hunt like I want to know about them how they act what they do what they're saying to each other you know and I'm talking to her about that and she's saying she goes I think it's weird that you say that you care for these animals and you hunt them you know and she's just being very matter of fact like not attacking me at all just like more curious than anything which I really appreciated and uh 
I was like, well, I go, I can't speak for all hunters, but I can say that the ones that I know and like spend time with, they probably are closer and know more about these animals than those who, you know, don't believe in hunting them because they get to know their habitat and their food and, you know, all the things I listed off before. And she started getting like really curious about the conversation. And she's like, I just don't think I could do it. And she's like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know that I believe that people should continue to do it. And I just like felt the words coming out of my mouth. I'm like, you know, that just think about how long humans have existed. I, I said almost the exact same thing you did like literally <laughs> a day ago. I was like, I'm like, think about how long human beings have existed. Just in the last few generations, have we like, that's the only like in the last 300 years, would we maybe not have a family member that lived directly off the land and hunting and foraging, right? Like we come from that. That is why you're here. Like in the span of humanity, that has been the majority of the way that we live. That has only recently become, you know, um, unique. If you really think about, you know, human beings. And she's like, she's a, she loves to read and, and super and smart. And she was just, real amped up by that conversation you could tell she connected with that a lot she's like wow she's like I I get that like I, I that makes that was like a light bulb for her she's like I completely understand that and that has it you know and it enlightened her and it was a really cool conversation and I really appreciated her questions but um yeah that that somehow sparked something in her and she like looked at it differently um so that was really cool and yeah I have been thinking about that a lot like we're our exit like how we got to be here our existence like it's a part of who we are and so sometimes i just can't believe that i i really think in the right situation anyone spending time outdoors is going to find their place in the outdoors because i i think we're meant to spend time outdoors absolutely you should have asked her if she'd be more comfortable with flowers on your body her pictures of (laughs) of because pictures of plants because if you look at all the petroglyphs and hieroglyphs and all the artwork that was there it never showed them killing broccoli or anything (laughs) like that it was always animals right you never saw it so that's just another way to look at it yeah she uh we we talked about vegans versus you know meat eaters and stuff and i was telling her i was like it's you know I, i didn't go too far down this rabbit hole um but I, you know, basically said, I'm like, actually, agriculture is like, in a lot of areas is like the number one, like, killer of our wildlife. Like, so if you want to argue that, you know, you're a vegan or a vegetarian, that's fine. Like, if that's your choice, I understand. But you, there, we're all a part of the problem. We're all of us are whatever that problem is, you think there is, Um, you know, uh, lack of like deforestation or um, wildlife and I, I talked to her about funding um, you know the D, you know how the DNR and um, the Pittman Robertson Act and taxes on hunting gear goes back into the you know the outdoors and stuff and she didn't she didn't know any of that um, you know why would she she didn't grow up that way or anything uh, and it was just like really cool to see that like light bulb for her she's like wow I never thought about that I'm like yeah it's it's full circle you know like people can be vegetarians because they don't want to hurt animals and I respect that but also know that you're not really, you're also part of an issue as well, you know? Um, and it was a really great, I wish it was always that easy to talk to people about that stuff. <laughs> um, she had great questions and was a great listener and I think genuinely curious, but yeah, it, it, uh, 
it was neat because it doesn't always go that way, <laughs> that direction. Yeah, <laughs> definitely doesn't. Sounds like you need to do a podcast with her. Yeah, and, and get that recorded. Yeah. But with that being said, I invited a lady that was trolling a picture. It was my deer that I shot last year or last season. Yeah, it was last year. And during the whitetail rut, I mean, I worked my butt off for that deer, paddling in on a canoe, getting to my spot day in, day out, right? So I wrote this post like, you know, people never see the behind the scenes, whatever. And I was just like kind of telling how I was feeling about it afterwards because it was a cool picture, but at the same time, like a picture's worth a thousand words, but not the the words and the work that went into it. So I was just kind of giving a descriptor of that. And at the end I said, you know, the experience, the fog in that morning that was there in the trees and the way everything played out, like it was truly soul cleansing. Like I felt the connection to the nature and everything that happened up until the minute I released that arrow. And afterwards, it was a rush of relief, and the work really started, even though all the work that was put into it beforehand, and it was just like, it was amazing, right? And so this lady just kept trolling me. I'm like, oh, yeah, shooting it with it. And I said, and so I responded to her. I was like, actually, lady, it was a bow and an arrow, and it died within 20 feet of, of me shooting it. You know, like just kind of not really goading her on, but just explaining to her that she was completely off base. And then, so she kept going on and on, and these other friends of hers that she was friends with just kept chiming in on the comments. And it got to the point where I was like, if you would like to discuss this further, I have no problem with that. I have a podcast. This is my podcast page. Please come on, and we'll talk about this in detail. And she never would. It would it never happened. But I wish it would have. It would have been really cool. It would have been really cool. That's... I, I have thought about um, doing some more, um, I, okay, this, this is embarrassing, but I always say this word, I mess this word up every time I say it, uh, document, documentary uh, style uh, podcasting, where it's like uh, segmenting different, you know, little conversations together for one episode, like on one subject. Uh, I've been thinking about throwing that into my podcast a lot lately on things like that, like where I just point blank someone and ask them something and I record it and then I do it again and like get the reactions of different people. Um, cause I'd be curious, like, uh, I'd be really curious about that. Um, I felt like a few years ago I wouldn't have uh, been armed to like defend myself and my argument maybe. And like my point, like I am now. But I've educated myself a lot more and I'm a lot better at talking to people about it without making them feel like I'm attacking them back. Um, but yeah, I think that would have been an awesome podcast for you to do. I would love to hear those conversations organically and just hearing that side of it. Uh, doing different classes and programs that I've done the last few years and helping teach others that has brought so much light to me of what people assume of hunters or hunting or you know, the outdoors, it's interesting. And it's just like a, a conversation usually changes things a lot. Um, but trolling people on social media usually doesn't help anything. You know, we can't. <laughs> no, it's... no, it doesn't. And that's why I wanted to invite her, right? Yeah. I wanted to invite her to sit down, have a formal conversation with respect to each other, but try and at least just let her understand where I'm coming from and hopefully reach some type of common ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it didn't happen. Yeah. But what can you do? Yeah, and you yeah you can't win them all over and get them all to listen. And I that's unfortunate because I think it could be for everybody. But 
Yeah, just sometimes you just got to like pick your battles and inspire, inspire your audience and help who wants to be helped, you know, or work with who wants to be worked with and share those stories. But with, with uh, like all your adventures on, you know, public land and things you've, you've learned, like, is there, I feel like this is going to be a hard question to answer. <laughs> uh, is there a hunt that you're most proud of? Or like a challenge pub with public land that you're most proud of so far? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm most proud of any of them, to be honest. Because I don't know. For me, every single time I go out, like we said, is, is is a total discovery, right? It's either a discovery of self, it's a discovery of lack of knowledge or new knowledge gained, and I think that's all super beneficial for somebody to go out and do. Um, like when I went out West for my first elk hunt, it was sobering mm-hmm. how little I knew and thought I could know from watching a couple like Randy Newberg videos on YouTube, right? Like that's just the surface, right? You've always got the tip of the iceberg, but it's, you know, the 80 feet underneath the sea that is the most important thing. And without that basis and that foundation, I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. And I came home with tag soup as it should have been, because now I'm even more determined to get out there again and do it all over again and hopefully be successful. And that failure has created a drive for more success. But I mean, all of my hunts, like just anything, or even like I've had squirrels give me the slip and go, man, how can I change that up? Yeah. And, and to me, like, that's pretty cool, too, you know. So there's not, like, one that stands out in my mind um, because every animal is a trophy, right? Um, some of them are bigger than others, and you may be a little more proud of them. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose is putting that meat in the freezer. And, mm-hmm. and any trip that does that is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um I, I agree so much. Like I was last year, my boyfriend, um, took me out. He went, he took some friends fishing and he's like, okay, Steph, he's like, you're not going fishing today. I was like, what? Like, cause like catfishing, trolling for catfish is something we do all summer. And it's one of my favorite things. And he's like, you're not going today. He's like, you're going out on the boat, but you're not going today. And I was like, um, excuse you? He's like, no, you're going squirrel hunting. I'm going to drop you off in this spot, and you're going to hunt, like, all day while we fish. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, if you get your limit, I'll come get you sooner. He's like, but you're going to go out, and you're going to squirrel hunt. And he's just going to leave me there. So he, like, left me on this, like, little island, basically, um, off the river where we fish. And he it was just me i've never like squirrel hunted by myself until last year like just like by myself by myself and i went out um squirrel hunted like half the day and it was super challenging and super fun and um i just spent a lot of time like thinking and sneaking and i don't know like and then you know got uh just shot i think i got five squirrels um, I think limit six in Iowa, uh, for the day and I got five squirrels and, you know, went home and, um, he made me like clean them all and everything. Um, and I don't know, like that day, I have like a lot of 
like pride from that day. And I turkey hunt and deer hunt and goose hunt and all those things. But like that sticks out in my mind of something that I was like really proud of. And I genuinely enjoyed that whole day from the beginning to end. I don't know. It was like, it meant as much to me as like almost any other hunt did. Um, it, it, cause it just wasn't something I really did by myself and I didn't ever really clean the squirrels. Um, and then I helped like cook them and ever, I don't know. I was like so proud. I felt like I was like a little kid. I was gleaming <laughs> about it and it's just squirrel hunting. Um, so yeah, I relate to that like a lot. Like, I don't know how I would answer that question if someone asked me that. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's all good. Uh, is there, um, is there a hunt that you haven't done that you are um, planning or do you have any uh, oh, big plans? There's probably quite a few. <laughs> um, but to start with, spring bear hunting. Mm -hmm. I think that is awesome. So like most states, like, you know, Missouri, Arkansas, well, I don't even know if Missouri does, but Arkansas and like some of your eastern states, you can only do fall. But I, and I've never done that either, which if I ever go to Arkansas, I'm going to get a bear tag and some deer tags because that's pretty cool. But um, I, I really want to do like a spring bear hunt, like Idaho, Montana, something like that. Get up in the mountains. I just feel like the mountains are just calling me. I don't know why. Even though I'm a flatlander and you get out there, the altitude kicks your butt. Um, putting yourself in that environment and getting out of your comfort zone, being uncomfortable, um, pushes you to be better. And I just, I really want to do that. And like bucket list for sure is Alaska hunting caribou. So yeah, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of like a five-year plan I'm sure. hoping for. If things don't change, that's definitely something that I'm looking forward to trying to do. Awesome. Are you primarily a bow hunter? I am primarily a bow hunter. Okay. I do pick up a gun. Um, I got, and so like I just drew a tag. It took me four years to get a tag for public land for the place that I want a shotgun deer hunt, even though I don't even want a shotgun deer hunt. Now that I have the tag, <laughs> it's like a double edged sword. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I told my wife, I'm like, I'm so freaking excited. I got this tag. It took me four years. I finally drew it. And then uh, at the same time, I'm like in the same breath. I'm like, honey, but I kind of want to just take my bow. I was like, I'm going to kick myself really hard if I get a deer and it's like 80 yards and hung up and I can't get it. And I could totally drop it with a shotgun and it's probably going to be a buck of a lifetime. But I kind of want to bring my bow. <laughs> like, so it's for me, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I get that. I, um, I, I teach archery classes, you know, so like sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to be all about shooting everything with a bow because I love it. Like I love bow hunting. Um, I do. I, I guess I find joy in different challenges in hunting some things with guns too. Uh, it's not that I don't hunt with guns or I, I do. I definitely do. Um, but yeah, I feel like this like pull because there's just so many other challenges and there's like this uh, the feeling is just different when you you know going you go out with your bow and get something with your bow um but also I don't know like I would be the same way like I've played that in my head I've never been on an elk hunt I I absolutely want to um and I'm like okay the first time I go like because I imagine I'll go more than once in my life hopefully if I'm lucky I you know, do I take it? Like, it's a bad, like, I am not even ready 
a flatlander myself, I am not ready to go on an elk hunt, but like I play that scenario in my head of like gun versus bow, you know, what would I want? I, I don't really, I don't know if I, I care, but I don't because I would just want to go. <laughs> I just would want to do it um, and experience the whole thing since I've never done it before. Um, but yeah, I'm not like, I'm not all bow or all gun or anything, but I do tend to lean towards a bow as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just got to feel <laughs> I'll right. You, I'll tell you this. If I go to Alaska and I take a rifle and shoot a caribou, I'm going to have to go back and do it with a bow. <laughs> I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So if you could go, I mean, would you go with a bow first? Do you think? I Honestly, I'd probably take both. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. take both. Yeah. Because I don't know how the tag works, but like, say you go on the hall road, for instance, if you're on the hall road and you see a caribou, you can shoot them, I think right on the road with your bow. But if you rifle hunt, you have to be like two or five miles away from the road. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like it'd be better with the bow than the rifle. Because uh, I've talked to some guys that have done it out there and like the moss, like the tundra moss mm-hmm. that you walk on. He's, he's like, that's the most difficult. He's like, imagine running in sand, but it's like your feet go deeper. He's like, that's what it's like the whole time. It's so taxing and tiring. He's like, it's ridiculous. It, you wouldn't think so because it's just flat and bare. But he's like, it's terrible. Yeah. And so, I mean, imagine doing that and then having to pack it out five miles in, five miles out, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I, that brings up so many other points. Like we're already at like an hour, you know, right now I'm talking already (laughs) and I feel like I have so many things I want to say and ask. Uh, So, you know, recently I've started hunting in, you know, different states and things for different things. And uh, I, I have like a lot of people think I'm like really brave and courageous, which is very, very sweet of them to think, but I'm also like a big baby too. Um, and I can like really get in my head about things and, or, and it always happens like at the weirdest times. So for example, we went to South Carolina hunting, like hog hunting this last year and we're out there like in the dark and, you know, I'm not really thinking about the fact that how different South Carolina is from Iowa. For example, there are gators, multiple breeds of snakes out there that will kill you. Um, hogs that are dangerous bears uh it um like swamps and just different it's a different environment completely i didn't even really think about that until i was literally in the dark in the woods with you know everybody one of the guys looks at me the dogs start going crazy because they're they're on a hog and one of the guys looks at me and he's like, are you ready? And I was like, for what? And then he just takes off sprinting. And I have to sprint behind him as fast as I can <laughs> to these dogs um, who are cornering a hog, you know. And we're running through, like, a swampy, like, woods and stuff. And it's, like, going through my head, like, oh, my God. Like, the environment I'm in is so different. Um, and, you know, in this situation, I was uh, with people who uh, know the area really well. You know, like, they're experts. I just kind of followed their lead sort of thing. But I don't know that I could ever just, I wasn't prepared to go do that on my own. You know, like I wouldn't be able to navigate those woods, um, those animals, those situations. Like 
And I think that sometimes uh, is a really intimidating thing about hunting in general, but public hunting um, from a distance, like preparing yourself for how different of an environment it is. Illinois is very different than Colorado, right? And Absolutely. Iowa is very different than New Mexico, South Carolina, wherever. And it's like, how do you, I guess, what have you found in your experience? Like, do you have advice for people, even, you know, for me, uh, when you're gonna do an out-of-state hunt, you know, things to think about prep for, do you have like any advice for that? Well, one, fear is good, right? Yeah. Because that's our natural gut instinct. Fear is good. It helps you be cautious, but at some point turn off like the fear in your head of like, Oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? Turn it off. Be fearful of doing something so stupid. You end up harming yourself, Yeah. but also prepare for that, right? Take some survival like classes or first aid classes, get some solid woodsmanship skills that will help you anywhere you go. Like, a survival class that can actually teach you how to build a shelter or, you know, a first aid class that says, Hey, carry a tourniquet with you, get a survival blanket and, and carry that in your pack because you might need it. You know, you might get turned around and lost and, and, and have something in your pack that you can do that. Right. Like those are the things that you can do to benefit yourself toward no matter where you are, those skills and that skill set you have, like my whole thing, I'm not that good with land navigation and I really need to be. So that's going to be like my next big push because what happens? Everybody relies on their cell phone now and they download pre-download maps. And I even carry a GPS as a backup and an inReach for like a communicator. But what happens if all that goes down to the point where you're like, okay, here I am 10 miles in the back country of Colorado with no way to signal for anybody other than, you know, like the survival skills that you learned somewhere like signaling a plane or flare or fire, whatever you have to do. But at the same time, how do you get out? How do you, how do you navigate your way out? Right. So like, those are the things I'm focusing on, but I mean, more than anything, everybody needs a solid foundation. Like if anybody can learn how to start a fire with other than just a lighter, right? Like maybe learn those skills or develop not even necessarily primitive skills, but skills that can save your life. I think that's awesome. Like, first aid to where if your hunting buddy goes down and gets a fracture Mm -hmm. and and it causes an arterial bleed that you're able to put a tourniquet on and patch him up to where he can walk out something like that is huge i think yeah i yeah i i i think that's great i i didn't know which way you take that and i love that so much because i i think about that a lot like the more that i become a mentor and i take people out hunting and fishing and different things I actually today, like before this podcast, um, like I, uh, okay, I, I really can't swim. So that first, there's oh. that, um, which is really <laughs> unfortunate because I love being on the water. So that's a really unfortunate uh, I, irony that I have going for me. But um, I didn't really take swimming lessons or anything as a kid, but I grew up like on the river uh, floating. Uh, you know, I've put myself in danger way too many times for not being able to swim. And, um, I hadn't uh, really ever learned to, you know, drive a boat. There's a whole long story with that, you know, as well. But even before, right before this podcast, I went out uh, to the river. It's actually a pretty windy kind of rough water day today. But um, I was forced to drive the boat. And the boyfriend's like, nope, you're driving it. You're bringing, he's like, you're, you're doing everything. He's like, we're bringing it to the floor. You're doing turns. You're going into the waves. You're going to stop. You're going to do it again. And I'm going to make you do it until it's time to go and do your podcast. (laughs) 
and <laughs> that's what I was doing today. Um, and I'm coming like full circle with this is like, he knows, uh, how much I love, um, like managing the boat and taking people out trolling. And I, I love it. And it, I have a lot of, uh, you know, worries and insecurity because I, I'm not really, I really can't swim well. Um, and I hadn't, you know, uh, managed a boat well and I don't like that because I take people out and I do that stuff and I want to be really good at those things because I want to be able to protect people and take care of them too myself included but like if I take someone out hunting I want to be able to help you know save their life if I have to or be able to um, protect myself um, and those are like a lot of where my insecurities like come from with a lot of things is I that exact thing that you just said being able to take care of a situation if it arises um, and that confidence and like having that skill set, not just knowing, you know, uh, general woodsmanship, but like some survival skills. Like that's something that's really has be recently become really important to me. Absolutely. And not only that, but it will extinguish some of that fear because you've actually done it and, and testing it and proving it to yourself that you can do it. And once you do that, that fear, that fire, that fear just extinguishes itself. And now you can focus on being immersed in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if something pops up, you're there, you're, you're there and you can be in that moment and take care of it then. But to detract from the actual experience because you're so worried about fears, that's no good for anybody. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a great point. Um, that's great advice. Is there, um, when it comes to public land in general, is there, uh, is there like overwhelming advice you've gotten from a lot of your, um, folks on your podcast, like your guests? Is there a lot of similar advice that you've gotten from, uh, different people? Find where the people go <laughs> and go the opposite way of that way. I would say <laughs> pretty much. It, it all comes down to hunting pressure, right? Mm -hmm. People, and not necessarily even hunting pressure, but environmental pressure. But it all comes, it stems from people. Figure out the patterns of the people and you'll be able to pattern the animals. That's yeah. the biggest thing that I've taken away from pretty much everyone I've talked to. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I've heard that as well. Um, is there what if someone is listening to this and they're like, hey, I'm going to I want to check out Luke's podcast. Um, what are people going to like hear and learn about like, from your podcast? Like who is your you know, why should people um, maybe, you know, listen to Woods and Waters Project, but listen to publicly like <laughs> as well. You know what? What are people going to hear about on there? It's a very broad range of topics, but it all covers hunting, fishing, and foraging, and uh, learning about those topics and some pretty cool guests along the way. So if they want to tune in, they can go to any, pretty much any streaming platform that has podcasts on them, Apple Music, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those, and a bunch of other ones too. They can go to YouTube and check it out. They can... Um, they can even go to publiclychallenge.com and check it out as well. All my, like the top 20 or 15 current episodes are on there as well. And they get refreshed every time a new one drops down, one drops off and the next one comes up. And um, I've got a recipe on there and some other things too. I'm trying to work on some more content for that. 
but publiclychallenged.com, and then they can check it out on social media and see if they want to dive in, stick a little pinky toe in the water and see if they want to go there. They can, uh, Facebook is uh, publicly challenged, I guess. Um, I think that's how it is. Or they can look up Luke Oswald um, and then find the publicly challenged page. And then on Instagram, it is publicly underscore challenged. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll link all of that in the show notes for people too. That, um, I really love it. I, I really enjoy your podcast and like interactions with you and what you share about. Cause you take like, I think the really cool part about talking about, okay, thinking about this earlier and how to like explain this is, uh, we're talking about public land you're also talking about there's like a lot of hard stuff about hunting and foraging and fishing right like there's like it's not just like oh time in nature and i got an animal and a really good picture like it's hard right like the weather (laughs) sucks like your feet hurt you're probably out of shape because most of us are like you know it's like it's not it's not glamorous or anything but that's what i love about like what you're talking about because like so I'm a like my career is a you know I'm a recruiter and you know a lot of my job is talking people into something and then talking them out of it and then seeing where they land basically and I think that's what's so beautiful about what you do because you do it in a really positive but like real like real way because like that's like if you want to be a hunter if you want to be an outdoorsman you have to know like realistically what you're getting into like it's not just the social media stuff you see it's not the smile um the smile <laughs> you know smile holding the you know the rack up it's it's that's not what it is like there for some people depending on their situation maybe it's that easy but it really isn't like there's a lot of misery and suck that goes into it and I think that's what's so important about what you talk about and what you share is that because like some, a lot of people think they want to get into it and I hope that they want to give it a try, but they need to know like it's not always fun <laughs> no, <laughs> or easy. You want to find out real quick how out of shape you are? Go shoot a deer two miles deep in some public land and go drag it out. Yeah, that sounds awful. You'll find out real quick. You'll find out real quick. Yeah, that sounds absolutely awful. It sounds, I mean, amazing, but awful. Like, it's not, yeah, I just, I think it's fascinating when people, uh, I like to each their own. Like, I hope that they get into it, realize it's not that easy, and then still stick with it. Like, I don't want anyone to get, like, pushed out of, like, hunting or foraging or anything like that. I don't, I don't want them to, (laughs) you know, stop. But I want them to get like a dose of reality a little bit to know that they want to stick it out and they take it, you know, they appreciate it because that's kind of the whole point of it being hunting. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, I, got, I don't know if you saw, like, I just posted, like, last Friday, I posted a picture of my buck that, and it was in my canoe that I got last year. And what people saw is the buck in the canoe and like, oh, cool, like, you know, you got that deer and you hauled it out and you put it in the canoe and then took it the rest of the way out what they didn't see is a smile on my face yeah the smile on my face and the sweat dripping off my brow on a cold november morning (laughs) like and the cool part is is no matter what happened or what anybody did they couldn't have smacked that smile off my face yeah because i earned it it's a and that's what i want people to like get i want people to realize like nobody can ever take that away from you once you do that once you experience that, once you do all these things, once you gain that knowledge, 
nobody's going to take it away from you. It's yours. It's yours forever. Yeah. Absolutely. That is just everything you just said. That's awesome. Thank I man, we're going to have to do like a like a recap <laughs> how to series or something because Oh man. <laughs> I like there's just that, that's if anyone's, you know, listening to this and, and, and want to know about, you know, public land and digging deeper into it and all those things, I, I think this is a, I, I think you are an awesome guest for that subject, but there is like, whoever's listening, there is so, we're like, just not even scratching the surface of that conversation, you know, so <laughs> definitely check out your podcast and, and follow you and um, your your guests like you've had amazing guests a variety of people for like all walks of life which i think is really rad uh so thank you so much for like this time um i really appreciate it and thanks for being like kind of one of my hype people i appreciate that too <laughs> that's awesome hey man i appreciate it thank you yeah. so much for having me on Absolutely. it's been awesome yay good well we'll talk to you soon thank you so much it sounds good. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this conversation. Isn't he freaking awesome? Go check out Publicly Challenged Podcast. There's a link in the show notes. I'm so glad you guys hung around and got to know Luke and hear our conversation. Hopefully, we'll have him back. I feel like there's a lot we could learn from him and we could talk forever. And if you guys are liking, loving the podcast huge favor. If you can drop us a review, head over to Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a review. Let me know how I'm doing, what you think about the guests. I want to take Woods and Waters Project to the next level and continue to make the episodes better, get awesome guests on here, have great conversations. And that can't happen the way that I envision it happening without your feedback, your reviews. I really appreciate your time to do that. Thank you so, so much. Before I let you go, stay tuned for next week. I am headed off to guide school and I'm going to be doing some <laughs> episodes kind of talking about my experience and what's going on with that. So stay tuned. Probably going to be multiple episodes in a row, but can't wait to connect with you guys next week. Until next time, get out there.